I, I will say, I go back to a quote uh, Mitch Daniels uh, gave one time where he said, it's amazing what you can live without until you don't have it anymore. And I think this may accelerate voting across the country into a more futuristic stance, which is online. I've been for online voting for years. Stay tuned. That's just part of what's ahead in our bonus content following this week's edition of In Focus. Exploring the issues that matter most in Indiana. This is In Focus with Dan Spieler. Good morning. I'm Dan Spieler. Today we're talking about the state and federal response to the coronavirus crisis. And we start with my one-on-one -on -one interview with Indiana Senator Todd Young. I asked him about the surging number of cases and deaths in Indiana and across the country. Uh, am I concerned? Of course I'm concerned, uh, like uh, all officials and, re and really all Americans, uh, that we get out in front of this to the extent possible. And uh, once the worst hits, uh, that uh, we have the capacity to respond. So uh, we're doing whatever we can at the federal level to provide the uh, the financial resources to make that happen. Of course, we're still uh, facing challenges in, in producing all the various things that are needed or procuring them from uh, various places, whether domestically or internationally. I want to get your reaction, speaking of the federal response, to a, a poll that's out this week from CNN. 55% of those who responded say the federal government has not done a good job fighting the virus. That number's up eight points in a week, 12 points over the last month. 69% said the government should be doing more to address shortages in medical supplies. 55% said the president should be doing more. What do you make of those numbers? Do we need a more significant response still from the government? Well, on all those fronts, actually, uh, the American people recognize that there's still a need to do more. And uh, the president recognizes that, uh, Congress recognizes that in a bipartisan fashion. Uh, what they've uh, done previously has been necessary and appropriate and seemingly properly scoped, but uh, more resources will be required. Uh, that's why this week we're providing additional resources to help our small businesses through the uh, so-called Paycheck Protection Program. More resources will be uh, uh, have to be manufactured to keep our frontline healthcare workers safe and secure. So uh, the American people understand that, the president and uh, those around him understand that, and I will continue uh, to do whatever I can to make sure that more is done. All right, we've been hearing uh, directly from some Hoosiers. I want to bring some of their questions to you today as well. Speaking of small business, uh, first we have a question from Robin Brammer, who owns the bank restaurant in Pendleton. We were supposed to see um, $10,000 in an advance into our account within three business days. That was uh, two weeks ago this coming Friday, and we have seen nothing. Barbara Quant, the state director with NFIB Indiana, said they've been promised relief, and she says she doesn't know a single small business owner who's received that relief yet. How do you respond to, to their concerns? Well, Robin and, and Barbara, uh, they're absolutely uh, correct that uh, we need to get cash into the hands of our small business people. As, as the son of a small business owner, I know that oftentimes they operate on very thin margins and with uh, uh, oftentimes really thin cash reserves. Uh, so uh, the imperative as we passed this legislation was to make sure that we acted boldly and uh, we acted very quickly. That did put some of our federal agencies at a disadvantage and that they didn't have the staffing required uh, or 
the, the programs already uh, fully baked uh, so that they might help businesses. So um, I think there was an expectation uh, that had been communicated that people would be receiving that, this money a little earlier than might have been realistic. But these are unprecedented times. Uh, and uh, also very new programs. So um, I absolutely understand the frustration. Improvements have been made since then. We've seen uh, tens of billions of, uh, of dollars that have already gone out the door and are helping our small businesses and their workers. That's going to be ramping up in coming days. One last question from Debbie Kinghorn in Cicero, and it relates to testing. She wants to know, why we're not doing more testing. She says Dr. Burks of the CDC has been saying there are millions of tests available to be requested, but aren't being requested. Debbie thinks we could fight this better with a more targeted approach. What's your solution there on making testing more prevalent if we can? Well, Indiana, Debbie, has been part of the solution. Uh, Indiana is the most manufacturing intensive state in the country, and we've been producing uh, so many different items, uh, not just uh, components for tests, uh, but also uh, PPE, and we're even trying to manufacture ventilators up at the GM plant and Kokomo. So uh, manufacturing is part of the answer, procurement of existing supplies domestically and internationally. Uh, is also part of the answer. This isn't just happening at the government level. My office is, has been working uh, with some private actors uh, here in the state of Indiana, just some good Samaritans uh, who are, are prepared to fly to other countries to procure the masks and, and, and uh, tests and other equipment and bring them back to the United States uh, to help uh, fellow Hoosiers. I think all of us have been reminded how much we need one another. Uh, during times like this. And that's been a really good thing, especially um, with uh, much, I think, accurate commentary about how our nation's been divided on a number of fronts. So um, why don't we uh, use this moment and uh, uh, hopefully this will extend into the future to reach out to those uh, who maybe aren't able to spend Easter or Passover with loved ones and let them know we care about them. We're thinking about them. It has been touching to see the many ways that people have been helping each other out, no doubt about it. Senator Todd Young, all the best to you and your family during this time. We appreciate you talking with us today. Thanks so much. Thank you, Daniel. And Senator Young also announcing Friday that the state would be getting more than $600 million in federal aid for Indiana hospitals. This week, we also spoke with Indiana lawmakers on both sides of the aisle, including Republican Congressman Larry Bouchon, who's also a practicing physician. How concerned are you about our capacity to handle this surge in cases and sadly in deaths here in the state of Indiana? Well, the good news is I think I think we're well prepared. I've talked to the hospitals across my district and uh, the ones in the Indianapolis area and everybody really has ramped up. You know, we had a, an initial problem with the personal protective equipment, but I think since Indiana has not had a surge, I think people are well prepared. So I think if the surge does occur, I do think that our hospitals and our healthcare providers will be uh, well-prepared across our state. Uh, we want to make sure that health workers have protection. We want to make sure that this is targeted especially toward infrastructure, but also we want to really look at criminal justice reform on this next package. If it's needed and it's to directly address COVID-19 and its impact on the economy, I'm going to be listening. If it has any of the other stuff on it, you're going to lose a lot of uh, Republicans. And how complicated will it be to get a fourth bill passed through Congress? Yeah, I think, first of all, that uh, my view is, is we shouldn't be 
putting in policies, honestly, from either side of the aisle that should be debated and uh, voted on separately from the, a crisis. And so uh, I would agree with that, uh, that we should not be doing that. So think, first of all, that some of the things that the Democrats have proposed are things that would never get through the Congress and the president's not going to support. And so I think it's just a distraction. And, you know, if our people on our side of the aisle try to do the same, I will hold the same opinion. I think we need to focus on the American people. Bouchon in an interview with me on Friday. Meantime, a tragic situation in Madison County near Anderson. Earlier this week, state officials revealed that about a dozen residents had died of the virus in this same long-term care facility, the kind of outbreak we've seen, sadly, in other nursing homes around the country. I discussed that tragic situation and the state's overall response to the virus with Democratic State Senate Minority Leader Tim Lannan, who represents the Anderson area in the state Senate. It is a tragic situation, certainly. Uh, my heart goes out to all of the uh, affected individuals and their families. And I have been in contact with the state. Uh, they are taking measures, which uh, hopefully will prevent any further harm to come to either the residents or the staff there. They have assured me that within the affected area of the facility there, there's going to be a quarantine that will occur. Uh, they are in the process uh, of uh, making sure that anyone who may have come in contact with any of the affected individuals uh, will be advised and appropriate steps will be taken. Um, the thing that really occurs to me is that we're going to, going to need to learn some things out of this whole terrible situation. Uh, I have some grave concerns about how we are coordinating uh, efforts to make sure these type of things don't happen at a local level. We're going to have to make sure that that does not occur. Workers need to be protected and of course by protecting them we're protecting them, the residents. So. Um, there's a lot of lessons I think are going to come out of this. And uh, as a legislator, I, for one, intend on following up to make sure that we take whatever steps are necessary to prevent this type of tragedy from happening again. Looking at this situation there in Madison County, but also more broadly at the state response, what else do you feel we need to be doing right now to slow the spread of this virus? I know you talked about the possibility maybe even of legislators um, having to perhaps meet for a special session, maybe that's a virtual session. What else right. do you see uh, needing to be done here at the state level? Well, I think there needs to be an immediate review of exactly how we are dealing with uh, institutions like nursing homes. The, the places, congregate uh, facilities, as they're called, where we have some of the most vulnerable of our population. All right, coming up next this Sunday in Focus, after a wild situation this week in Wisconsin, what will we see when our state heads to the polls in June? And with Bernie Sanders dropping out of the race for president, it appears the matchup is set for this fall. But how might the virus change the scope of this year's election? We'll talk with our panel up next. More sad news this week in Indianapolis as an IMPD officer is shot and killed responding to a domestic disturbance. In a statement, Governor Holcomb said, I ask every Hoosier to join me in honoring Officer Breanne Leith's courageous service and dedication to her community. She will be forever remembered. 
for being the finest among us. It is such difficult news, especially during this time as we all deal with our new normal. And today we're talking with our panel about the coronavirus crisis and the impact on our state. I'm joined by Adam Wren, Alexandra Hudson, Mike Murphy, and Laura Beck. And let's start with Adam Wren, who's a contributing editor at Politico and Indianapolis Monthly. Adam, this week we saw the governor and the mayor together at one of the state's daily briefings. And at the federal level, so many Hoosiers on the front lines of this fight, while some of them face scrutiny over all of these difficult decisions, including the Surgeon General, who you actually spoke with recently on social media. That's right. Uh, and on Friday, in sort of the latest episode of the Surgeon General struggling to communicate uh, with the public and really ensure the confidence of, of American citizens, uh, he made a remark that uh, people of color shouldn't be uh, drinking alcohol or taking drugs, uh, and, and a remark that was really construed as somewhat offensive and racist by a number of people of color. Uh, he has had an, a string of these incidents, whether it was saying that uh, President Trump was more uh, fit than him, uh, whether it was uh, urging Americans in February not to wear masks, uh, and then um, kind of turning his heel on that. Uh, he has really struggled throughout this process. Uh, in many sense, senses, I think uh, the Vice President Mike Pence, the head of the Coronavirus Task Force, has been a more able communicator uh, throughout the process than any other bumber, uh, any other Hoosier on the task force. If you look at Seema and Ver Verma and Alex Azar, uh, they are sort of locked in a blood, blood feud with each other and haven't been able to put that aside for the good of the American people. So we've seen a lot of scrutiny, but we've also seen a lot of unity, too, right? And people coming together to help. Alexandra, as you wrote about recently in USA Today, we, we've, seen, we've seen a lot of people coming together, too, during this time. That's right. I mean, we're look, we're, we are seeing American community tested, uh, being tested in an unprecedented way. Um, but we are, uh, we are proving our mettle as Americans. And we're seeing people across the country, here in Indianapolis, and all throughout the state are rising to the occasion and they're, and they're seeing needs um, and, 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 um, and they're solving them. So take a Josh Stone King, a local chef here in Indianapolis, who wanted to do something for the vulnerable um, populations here in Indianapolis and also um, for his own community and the culinary community that's been uh, largely impacted by the economic impacts of the coronavirus crisis. And he started a nonprofit called Indies Courageous Kitchens that both employs um, displaced restaurant workers and also provides um, for some of the city's most vulnerable families. And there are just so many examples of this. Um, yeah. Aaron Pierce is repurposing his drone technology at Pierce Aero Aerospace to deliver blood and medical supplies all across the state. Um, and so it's just really incredible yeah. to see this sort of innovation happening. It, it is. We see regular people coming together to help. We see state That's and right. local leaders coming together in some cases. I, I want to turn to former GOP lawmaker Mike Murphy. Mike, will we see more unity, more cooperation, do you think, at the federal level as well? Well, I certainly hope so. Um, you know, there's a tendency to politicize these things, and there's no doubt that COVID is the issue of the year. Um, I think the Democratic, actually the only Democratic candidate left now, Joe Biden, has been uh, admirably restrained, I think, to this point. Uh, I don't know how long that will last. But uh, here at the state level, certainly, um, you know, Woody Myers, who's a very able, bright guy, who was a former public health commissioner, former chief medical officer for Ford, Anthem, WellPoint, and also the public health commissioner for New York City, he has been not just restrained, but he's been actually complimentary of the job that Governor Holcomb is doing. And it's that kind of bipartisanship at the Indiana level 
that I would hope we would see more of at the federal level. level. We certainly are not seeing it in Congress or the, the House of the U.S. Senate. So also with us today is Democratic strategist Laura Beck. And Laura, I, I want to get your thoughts on the government's response here as well. I know it's been a while since we've had you, had you on the program uh, in the midst of this crisis. Uh, how yeah. do you see our, our state and local governments uh, responding to this tall task? Well, thanks, Dan. I've been, I've been following practices in social distancing, so that's probably <laughs> why you haven't seen me. Uh, maybe you're trying to tell me something. I don't know. Um, I, uh, I think one of the things we're definitely seeing, is, especially as it relates to the government, government response to this, is that um, local government, state and local governments particularly, are really doing the lion's share of the work. Um, you've got federal government that um, it oftentimes seems very disjointed from the day-to-day -day decisions that are really impacting people. And those are being made at the local level. So even when you look at Marion County, for example, the health department, all of the various agencies that are coming together, and 92 counties in Indiana are doing that same type of work. Um, I think that's really where people's daily lives will be majorly in, impacted at this point in time. Um, I do think there is a spirit of bipartisanship, as Mike said, that is continuing right now, particularly when you look at uh, Mayor Hoxat, Governor Holcomb. Um, Governor Holcomb also is continuing to work with the various mayors, Democrat and Republican around the state. Um, unfortunately, though, I think Donald Trump, as we're seeing more of, is just becoming more of a distraction. Um, Friday's New York Times had an article about that, the fact that he is starting to really deviate from um, the, the key focus and get back into airing grievances and things like that that is not helpful. So, so local government seems like where it's at right now. It, it is, of course, an election year, as, as you all have mentioned. And uh, what a situation we saw this past week in Wisconsin, right? We asked Senator Young and Senator Lannon about that earlier, and we have more on our website. But also now a debate emerging over absentee ballots and mail-in voting and whether we may need to be doing more of that even in the general election come November. All this, as Mike mentioned, as Bernie Sanders officially drops out of the race for president, setting the stage for the matchup in the fall. Former Vice President Joe Biden and President Donald Trump. This uh, past week, the president saying in a tweet he thinks it would be unfair, perhaps, to have 100 percent mail-in voting. But as we saw in Wisconsin, it certainly didn't go very well to have people show up in person in the midst of all of this. Adam, how do we see this playing out here uh, in Indiana in the, our primary in June and then moving through this the rest of this election year? Well, it's essentially frozen, um, our primary in June, and, and competitive races like the 5th District, uh, where we saw a candidate this past week, Carl Brizzy, announced that he wasn't going to fundraise anymore throughout the rest of the primary. Uh, and it, it's really kind of putting the onus on uh, people who are able to self-fund, uh, people uh, like Beth Henderson, um, people like Dr. Chuck Dietzen. And as you kind of move throughout the process, if you look at uh, Governor Eric Holcomb, he was already going into this as a strong, uh, historically strong incumbent. Imagine where his uh, name ID ratings are uh, as he's being broadcasted throughout the state every day in much yeah. must-watch television right. for an hour, an hour and a half, Monday through Friday. Um, he, he's got to be somewhere at 85 or 90 percent uh, in name ID. And that's really, if he had a weakness, his only spot uh, was with Hoosiers is he was above 50 percent. But this has right. really put him above the, the, the top. So even though Dr. Woody Myers uh, on the Democratic side is a capable candidate and especially for this time he really has struggled to break through the noise yeah. and make his voice heard uh, during this uh, moment alexandra how do you see uh elections conventions everything else changing this election year because of this crisis 
Yes. Um, I think what's more, to, the, to your point about Wisconsin, I think more important than what the rules are is the fact that the rules are agreed upon in advance and apply to everyone equally. And if they, if we start changing rules the last minute, the elections begin to uh, lose their legitimacy. Um, and as, as to how this, how this might impact um, November. I mean, current polls suggest that Trump could benefit from the crisis. His favorability has also already increased in many states, such as Arizona, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin. And I think that the important questions to keep in mind are whether this uh, rally around the flag will abate by November. And of course, there's so much time yeah. between now and then, so the crisis could evolve and, and, and change. And, you know, regardless, I think we'll still be okay. feeling the economic impacts of the yeah. virus come November. And will voters blame him? I think that that will definitely affect um, yeah. Uh, how things how things turn that out. That remains the big question, no doubt. Alexandra, our thanks to you and to all of our panelists for joining us from home this week. We have to leave it there. We'll have much more on our podcast. Coming up next, this Sunday in Focus, our Washington Bureau goes one-on-one -on -one with Dr. Anthony Fauci. You'll see that interview coming up next. Well, we remain in the midst of what some federal health officials fear may be the worst week yet for the coronavirus. Dr. Anthony Fauci telling our Washington Bureau, even though the worst is yet to come, there are some signs of progress. The next week, we're going to see a spike, as we're seeing even today, in deaths throughout the country, particularly in the hotspot areas like New York. But simultaneous with that, we're starting to see some, you know, cautiously optimistic type signs. Dr. Fauci says our efforts to keep social distancing will limit new cases and decrease the number of deaths. That means no crowds, more than 10 people, six feet away, avoiding crowded places and teleworking if you can. That's the reason why we need to keep, as I say, putting our foot on the accelerator and not on the brake. Those social distancing guidelines are in effect until at least April 30th, but they could still be extended. We're back to wrap things up right after this. It is, of course, Easter Sunday. We're also in the middle of Passover, so we hope you're able to spend some time with family, if even virtually, on this holiday. There's much more to come next on Fox News Sunday, followed by a live broadcast of the Indianapolis Archbishop's Easter Sunday Mass. We'll have more news tonight at 10. Hope you have a great Easter. We'll see you right back here next week. Laura, how do you see 2020? Uh, being impacted this election year by this coronavirus crisis. It certainly appears to be uh, the defining issue of this year and of our time. Yeah, I, I think you're right, Dan. I think it is not only is it the defining issue, I think it's going to be the defining issue for generations to come. Um, what I find really fascinating about coronavirus and the response and COVID-19 and how local governments and how the federal government are working on it and the impact on election is that um, if we end up opening up, right, to get the economy restarted, back up again. People start dipping their toe in the water, getting out a little bit more, getting back to resuming their normal lives, and the virus spikes, and we have to go back to doing this. Mm -hmm. I think whoever the incumbent is, um, is really going to pay the price for that. My um, people will be really angry and frustrated that they have to, um, that, that they'll have to go back to this. Um, and you're putting people's health at risk as well. So I could see that as being a real issue. Mike, your thoughts on how this will come to define the 2020 election cycle? Well, as a former party chairman, I often think of the mechanics first. And that is, you know, you talked about absentee balloting, the timing of getting applications out, accepting them. Wisconsin has been a mess. Not only were the, the, uh, the uh, results not announced, but 
Now there's a problem with the court because the court said that they had to have been postmarked before a certain date in order to be counted. But as you know, you get a lot of mail in your mailbox every day that because it's processed automatically is not actually postmarked. So how do we know when those postmarks occurred? I think it's, it's a mess. I, I will say, I go back to a quote uh, Mitch Daniels uh, gave one time where he said, it's amazing what you can live without until you don't have it anymore. And I think we may, this may accelerate uh, voting across the country into a more futuristic uh, stance, which is online. I've been for online voting for years. If you can manage your family finances, pay all your bills, do all this fairly securely online, you sure as heck ought to be able to cast a vote online in a fairly secure manner. And I think anybody who's opposed to that is is dead wrong and is going to be on the wrong side of history. So complicated, though, to get 50 states, there are 50 state elections to get all the states to move in unison on something like that. Um, it's so hard to, at the end of our program, you typically pick winners and losers, as we've done. There are so many um, losers in this fight, not not many winners. But as, uh, as we look through uh, this past week, Alexandra, I'll start with you. I know you've, you've pointed to some, some winners, some, some heroes out there, some glimmers of hope in some of your columns in USA Today and elsewhere. Uh, who, who are amongst the winners and losers that, that you see this past week in this fight? I'd say amongst the winners, um, definitely Grace Community Church in Elkhart, Indiana. Uh, I wrote about this, that, that they, um, they had raised... Um, uh, they support to donate 30,000 masks to refugees displaced by ISIS, and they, for some reason, couldn't get them to the Middle East um, in a timely way, and they just found these masks in their church basement in the last few weeks, and those are now tremendously um, useful uh, to, to, uh, to their country, uh, to their county, rather, in this, right. in this time, uh, time during the crisis. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's so great to see examples like that of people, people helping out. Adam? Um, some, some winners and losers this past week from your perspective? Yeah, um, I, I will say two winners. Um, Joe Hogsett, the mayor of Indianapolis, and Governor Eric Holcomb uh, really demonstrated uh, a lot of bipartisan leadership in the, in the press conference that they held earlier this week to update the public. Uh, you know, the governor, uh, a Republican governor, really complimented Joe Hogsett, uh, said that he had had a lot of sleepless nights. He didn't know when um, Mayor Hogsett slept. Uh, that is a kind of uh, bipartisanship and Hoosier uh, sort of good faith uh, politicking that we're not seeing on a national level right now. Um, I also see a lot of losers uh, in this. Uh, people like Republican 5th uh, Congressional District candidate Micah Beckwith, uh, who sort of went on a long uh, Facebook video tirade questioning um, the leadership of Governor Holcomb and other mayors across the state of Indiana, and really saying that he was willing to go to jail to protect freedoms of assembly uh, and freedoms of commerce. Uh, someone like that has, has been irresponsible. And also uh, another loser, uh, Republican 5th uh, District congressional candidate, Carl Brizzy. Uh, this last week, we saw him say that he was no longer going to uh, fundraise uh, for his uh, congressional bid. But uh, just a couple of weeks before that, he became maybe one of the only politicians nationwide to try to fundraise off of the coronavirus in a political way. And uh, weeks before the lockdown really questioned whether it was the media who were making the coronavirus a bigger threat than it actually was. So, um, you know, that kind of wrongheaded uh, anti-science um, 
uh, commentary, it has not been helpful to Hoosiers at a time when we really need to get behind the science and, as uh, Governor Holcomb has done, allow uh, public uh, health officials and the scientists to really lead the conversation on this issue. Laura, anyone stand out to you this past week? Well, I, I don't know if I'd say they were a winner, but they certainly are inspiring, and I have deep gratitude to them. Um, two groups, the healthcare professionals and yeah. essential workers. Mm -hmm. um, they have really uh, carried an incredible load for all of us, and I, I think we're all incredibly grateful to them. Um, same with teachers who are who are doing e-learning with kids. I mean, that's an incredible, incredible amount of work to be doing, and, and I think we're so grateful to them. Um, the other the other folks I, I think are really, it's really important we highlight, um, and that's the men and women of public safety and IMPD. Yeah. Um, it was a terrible week. Anytime mm -hmm. you lose a police officer, um, it's like a gut punch to our community. No doubt a very difficult week for the police and for the city of Indianapolis. Lara, thanks. Thanks to all of our panel. Much more coming up on next week's edition of In Focus. Thanks for listening.